is Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025 The Game. So I said it was a little ominous, but the Titans, as you know, every Wednesday the coach talks before practice, the quarterback talks before practice. This week on the Titans media schedule, there is no quarterback listed. Now I found out that the reason for that is because, well, quite frankly, they don't know who the quarterback of the Titans is going to be, and neither do we. So I guess even the people that put together that have not seen the white smoke erupt from St. Thomas Sports Park that would tell us who the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans is. Yeah. Which, I mean, surely the four people involved know. Robinson, Vrabel, Mariota, Tannehill. At this point, probably those four have to know, right? Yeah, I don't know about the players, but I mean, J-Rob and Mike, and I assume coaches certainly do. Well, I told you that when Vrabel got to the podium yesterday, Vrabel knew who the quarterback was. Very well could be. I believe that as soon as that plane landed, because surely John and Mike couldn't have talked about this on the plane. You know, you're in front of the entire team. You can't talk about it over there in front of the entire team on the plane, can you? Well, I'm assuming. I've never been on a team gyre with him. But generally speaking, the coaches and, and management sit up front, and the players are all in the back. I know, but isn't it still you don't want, you don't don't want to be discussing that openly where there are other people in the vicinity? Do well, you? you're certainly not going to be shouting it. And on an airplane, most of the, the but oh yeah, I mean there's there's enough racket on a plane most of the time. You can you can talk as long as you're not yelling. Although I still would say I bet they waited until they got home, and then they probably went right to the facility. They probably met in Mike's office and probably decided right then and there. What the whole plan for the week was going to be. Of, okay, on Monday when we talk to the press, we'll tell them this. On Tuesday, we'll talk to this one. On Tuesday night, after we talk to the first one, we'll talk to the second one. On Wednesday, we'll have a team meeting, tell the team. And then when Vrabel gets to the podium tomorrow at 11 o'clock, or whenever he gets up there, he'll probably tell the media who the starting quarterback is. I would assume. Because to your point, if you tell the players, it will get out. So, And they're not... I'm assuming that after Monday, they're not, I mean, they're not even there today. No. So it'll be in the morning. It'll be the first time they sit down and meet as a team. But I bet you they tell they tell Mariota and Tannehill before they tell the whole team. Oh, I would imagine they would sit down with them privately. So that would probably come tonight. Oh, you know, if you know. got a 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. meeting tomorrow morning, you probably call Mariota. Then you probably call, if, if Mariota is, you call it. If Mariota's benched, you call Mariota first. If Mariota's not benched, then you call him in whatever order you want. But, <laughs> but, but for this exercise, let's operate under the assumption that Tannehill is named the starting quarterback for Sunday. Now, you and I both think Mariota will be named the starter Sunday. But let's say it's Tannehill. If Tannehill is the starting quarterback and it signals the end of Mariota, what does this mean long-term for the Tennessee Titans? Not in the short term of Tannehill starting every week or whatever, but in the short term, what do, or I mean, in the long term, what does it mean if Ryan Tannehill starts Sunday? Well, I would assume it means they're in the quarterback market. They're going to be looking for a quarterback someplace. Wherever that may be, you know, veteran quarterbacks or they're going to draft one. I don't know what the I don't know what the options are. So I think it's a lot bigger than that. 
I think if you decide to start Ryan Tannehill and you end the Marcus Mariota era, it effectively ends the 2019 season. At that point, I don't see you keep saying it. I don't think it it makes any difference. If you're going to, however many games you're going to win with one, you're going to win it with the other. So now, if we're again, if we're if we're a six win team, then you're right. I mean, we're going to win six. But if we're a nine win team, we're going to win nine. I just don't. We don't know that yet. But I don't. Th- I don't think it'll make any difference one way or the other. Oh, I think it's huge. I think if you decide on Tannehill, then you effectively end any chance. You're you're signaling to the world. Da, 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 da. We have no plans to compete for the rest of this season. Why, we don't. Why think would we you can. say? Do you think Marcus is going to light the world up here? Think back to this last game. People are looking at you, and if you said we're starting Daniel, they go, "Hey, yeah, they got no choice." Did you see that guy play last week? They can't win with that guy. They won't win a game. They got to have Tannehill start. I mean, there'll be a lot of people that will argue that. The Titans and walked, there'll be a lot of people argue that you're better off. The Titans walked into this season saying, good to great, and Marcus is our guy. Because they could believe they could go from good to great with Marcus as their guy. Right. If Tannehill is in, you're telling me you can't go good to great anymore. You're telling me that ship has sailed. That's you're telling true. me that what you that's believed what at the beginning you, of the year what is you not think. accurate. Nobody else thinks that. That's what I think. Everybody else thinks, hey, whoever lines up, I mean, not everybody else, but there'll be a lot of people who say, whoever lines up there is going to be better than Marcus. Whoever lines up there, we're going to win more games than we would have with Marcus, especially with his defense. So, I mean, I, I, bet, there, I bet there are a bunch of people that think it's just the opposite. They got a better chance to win games with, with Tannehill than with uh, Marcus. I'm just saying that the Titans went into the season saying Marcus is our guy. And... And they had an expectation to be a competitive team. Right. right now, they're not a competitive team. And if Marcus isn't the guy, the reason you believed in Marcus so much was because you believed that Marcus could get you to that point. Well, you knew that Tannehill couldn't get you to that point. So, to me, you're all but announcing that you are, you're, you've given up on the 2019 oh, season. I couldn't disagree more. Not only are you giving up on the 2019 season if you give up on Mariota... I think you're giving up on the 2020 season. Yeah, again, if I, you're giving up on Mariota, because then you draft a quarterback. Well, you're not going to be any good with a rookie. If Joe Burrow is the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans next year, they're not going 13 and three. Right. Goodbye, 2020. Well, yeah. Goodbye, 2019. Goodbye, 2020. What if it's Eli Manning? What if it's oh, Bridgewater? God, you are not winning with Eli what Manning. What if it's any of those veteran quarterbacks that are going to be shot. out there? So I actually asked TD about that. Teron Davenport, because what I would do is I would I would sign Teddy Bridgewater to a two year twenty million a year deal, so I'd pay Teddy twenty million for two years, and then I would draft probably a guy in the second round, third round, something like that, this upcoming year, uh, and that would be my plan if I were the Titans. Because the truth is, is Vrabel and Robinson they're not getting more than two more years after this year if things go down the toilet like they look like they're going. Vrabel may not even get past this year, to be honest with you, the way things are going. But Vrabel and Robinson will not get two years. Uh, will not get more than two years with a new quarterback. So I say you go Teddy Bridgewater for $20 million a season for two years. 
then draft in a guy and see where that goes. But then TD said, oh, "Let me ask you this: so he you, doesn't think Bridgewater would be able to get out of New Orleans. He thinks New Orleans is going to keep Bridgewater because they see him as the successor to Breeze." Well, that could be right, but I mean, if you're Teddy Bridgewater, are you going to take that deal? Why would you not? Well, there's going to be somebody, if you're offering him two years, there'll be somebody out there offering him three or four. He came out this year and nobody wanted to give him too no, much money. No, no, no. He had, he had options. He, he chose had Miami, to go back. Yeah. Well, he chose to go back to New Orleans. But if you come out this time after being able to get some playtime under your belt, I mean, there'll be a, anybody that needs a quarterback, they'll be knocking on his door now. I don't want to hear you talk about Teddy Bridge. You've been a Teddy hater from day one. I haven't never hated Teddy Bridgewater. I'm a Bridgewater. Teddy believer. I have never hated him. By the way, thank He's you for my hurt. thank you for my six pack pick win for when you said, "Oh, you're not going to go with your guys." I'm fine. I'll go with the Saints. I'll take Teddy, and uh, I got a win in six pack picks because I went with my guy because you goaded me into it. Yeah, because you don't, you don't believe in Teddy, but Teddy I believe in. And but again, unless they get a Teddy, or since he gives up on Andy Dalton and he comes in here, or. You know, I would love for the Lions to give up on Stafford. Oh, they'll be, they'll oh. be, there are always guys out There's there. It's Derek not, Carr it's not a matter somebody of, will be. of having a guy out there. It's a matter of finding the guy that you can, that you want to pay. Because you're going to, whoever it is, you're going to pay now. Just because they're a quarterback and they're a veteran quarterback and they're going to have options. But and if you so don't, if if it's a, if it's not, if you decide to not sign any veterans, then you're right. I mean, you're drafting somebody really, really high and bringing them in here. And, you know, the problem is we know that that some of these teams that are going to be real high in the draft right now, a la Miami, they're going to be looking for quarterbacks too. I mean, everybody knows what you'll be looking for. So I'm worried again that if you make the decision to Tannehill and you give up on Marcus, and maybe they'll have to give up on Marcus, you won't give him a choice, that you're not only sacrificing the rest of this season, you're sacrificing next season too. I Let's don't, take I your phone. Disagree entirely. Six one five and completely. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five is the phone number to the calls. Next, Jared and the GM, TSPM 1025, the game live from the wholesaling studio powered by RumbleOn.com. Do not miss the pregame show. That's right. The pregame show live from the George Jones, 1230 to 230, special time, 1230 to 230 this Sunday prior to Titans Chargers. Of course, we get it kicked off with the kickoff from 10 to 1230 and then the pregame show from the George Jones, 1230 to 230 NFL pregame brought to you by Wholesale Inc. Powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, your middle Tennessee Kubota dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap. Jared in the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. Are you giving up on both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota? Well, this comes up because these guys were in the same draft. Winston threw five picks yesterday and was just completely dreadful. Mariota was benched in favor of Ryan Tannehill. And this points up to something I've been talking to you about, which is the bizarre head coaching decisions to just do something. And maybe they feel they're the the flame under their fannies, and they have to make a move. But Mike Vrabel, I- I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not putting Ryan Tannehill in the game when Marcus Mariota, who's actually won that franchise a playoff game, right. is ambulatory. I'm not doing that. There you go. That was Michael Wilbon yesterday saying, I'm not putting Tannehill in there. And I believe if they put Tannehill in at quarterback for the Titans – that they are sending the message that they will not compete for the rest of 2019 and are not planning to compete if they draft a quarterback in 2020. Let's go to the phones. 
Unless you have something you'd like to add? Nope. Just wrong. Never have it. Nobody has ever had anything to add before going to the phones on this show, except Floyd one time. Uh, to the phones we go. Chris is up next on Mike Vrabel. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, yeah, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I know the last few weeks have been pretty rough for the Titans and all of our fans, but but Vrabel pointed something out yesterday that, that really has got me turned around. Okay, When, when we have... Um, a season like this, we look to guys like Ben Jones and Deion Lewis. <laughs> is, is, is that is that really what I heard? Is that really what he said, Jared? Is, are, you, are you kidding me? Ben was, Jones, the worst offensive lineman you have, and Deion can't get a positive yard, Lewis? So, what? So, yes, that was uh, – Vrabel did say that yesterday. Thank you for your call. And it'd be easy to kick Vrabel on. First of all, Ben Jones is not the worst offensive lineman. Nate Davis is the worst offensive lineman they have. And then Saffold is next, and then Conklin, and then Lawan, and then Jones. So honestly, Jones might be the best this year. But, um, you know, Vrabel's whole point was just because you're not the best player doesn't mean you can't be the best leader, and just because you're the best player doesn't, or just because you're the best leader doesn't mean you're the best player. Like that kind of thing. And, and I think he was mentioning those guys as leaders. Not right. as players. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, so I, I don't, you know, rip Vrabel for saying that. Uh, I would say this. Could Dion lead me to a couple more yards? I would appreciate it. Well, yeah. You know, if, they, if he could lead the offense to some more yards. But I I did when when he did say Dion, I literally thought to myself, you'd be kidding me. Up next, team captain Tajay Sharp. You know, that's where I felt like it was headed in that direction. Which, by the way... And I know people are going to get mad at me for that. I, ju- I just want them to cut Tajay Sharp so bad. Oh, I can't wait till they get rid of Tajay I'll Sharp. I'll say this. He can, he makes a play a game. I mean, it's never a great play, or bad, but it's a third and eight, and he'll convert it and I just, I never feel like see they, him again. They have a quota for these wide receivers, so like Jennings has to play X amount of snaps, even though he's the fifth guy on the depth chart. Why? Why? Why does Sharp have to get out there? What Davis, Humphreys, A.J., and then if I need a fourth receiver, put somebody out there. But don't put Jennings out there and have Davis on the sideline. It doesn't make any sense to me. They ran a play uh, Sunday where they had Davis. No, they had Brown and Jennings were the two wide receivers in the game. I'm like, where the hell's Davis? Why is Jennings out there over? I, I don't know. And then Dalen Dawkins was getting carries. That's Now that was ridiculous. you got to be honest with that. That's a little crazy. Dawkins? Yes. Getting no, carries? Sure. Oh, stop. I'm, uh, that's fine. Hey, you I know mean, what? I'm, I'm just judging and off of the preseason game. The fourth one? <laughs> the yeah, no the one la- the Nate last Davis didn't even game, play? He lit it up. Hey, uh, uh, Dalen Dawkins, talking about not competing in 2019-2020, if Dalen Dawkins keeps getting carries, that's another signal that they have no plans to compete. Let's go to Dan, who's up next here on Jared and the GM. What's up, Dan? I just want to tell you that Mariota cannot throw the ball laying flat of his back. They need to get rid of that bomb called Taylor. And all he does is run his mouth. And the other bomb is Smith over there trying to call plays, and what he calls is peewee plays. <laughs> whenever whenever uh, Derek makes nine yards and they jerk him out and put uh, Deion Lewis in there and he loses nine yards, that ought to tell you something. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. I, by the way, do scream at my TV when Derek gets like four yards on first down, four yards on second down, 
And then Derek's running off and Dion's running on on like third and four. And I'm like, no, no, stay out there, Derek. Dan is the great, this is an example of if you're in the business, I mean, these are the kind of people that you get calls from or letters from or notes from or messages from constantly where they're just hating everything you're doing. Hey, that's. It's the way it works when you lose. In all fairness, though, and I have not criticized Arthur Smith because I don't know what to criticize. The fans are all over him right now. Well, I mean, you saw the quarterback. I know, but are first they time right in, for, to, First time in four and a half years he's taken out of a game. But are they right to be all over Arthur Smith? Who? How, how can you tell? I don't know. That's what your job is. No. It's my nobody's job. job. Nobody, nobody can tell. Yeah, that's right. That's like I laughed a minute ago. And they go, that's why they pay us to have opinions on football. I'm thinking, okay, never put a jock on in your life and you're going to give me an opinion about a football coach. Give me a break. Stephen A. Smith is like the number and one basketball guy one. in and the world. there's another one. Never dribbled a ball in his life. But he's got an opinion now. <laughs> Let me tell you what I think. Okay. Go ahead. Anyway, my point was that when you're in the business, you hear those kind of things. That's why, I mean, you know whether you win or lose. If if you win, you will get opposite calls. Man, oh, man, you're the best general manager in the history of this sport. Am I really? You know, I mean, so, but they go, I mean, it's just extremes. Better than this general manager, you at least find me a guard. Find me... Tom Ackerman, who I would kill for right now. Andrew on Mariota. What's up, Andrew? Uh, look, I, I, just a few points here. I, I've been kind of listening on and off all day, okay? First off, Arthur Smith, I really can't I, – I don't have nothing bad to say really about him, and I'll tell you for why. Realistically, when is the last time that the Titans went into a ball game and we knew, hey, at least 14 to 21 points, I'm – I am calm, as confident as, as I can be that we're going to score that. Our offense as a whole, for a long time now, it's always a question mark. When are we going? To, are we going to score? How much are we going to score? How much is the defense going to have to do? Like, so the offense, like Arthur and his play calling, it is what it is. The offense has been, been nowhere to be found for quite some time now. When it comes to to, to Marcus and stuff, Jerry, he said, you know. If you, if you go to Tannehill, you're throwing the season, right? Well, if we've invested this much time into Marcus, if we're going to throw the season, why not just throw it with him? I agree. You know, we've we invested I, a, lot of, a lot of time and money. Andrew, and thank you. I, I completely agree. I mean, you're basically saying if you stay with Mariota that you still believe he can be a franchise guy and he can get you out of this. Uh, if you go with Tannehill, you're saying that Marcus is not a franchise guy and he can't get you out of this. And if he can't get you out of this, then you're going to look for somebody next year who can get you out of this. And if that person is Joe Burrow or Jake Fromm or whomever, uh, and you're trying to look to that person to get you out of this, well, they'll get, they may get you out of it, but they won't get you out of it in 2020. Now, 2021, you might be the best team in the league. Maybe if Mahomes comes in. The- well, it depends on who you're who the quarterback is. You have no clue who the quarterback is. You're assuming it's going to be a rookie. I mean, who, who knows? We just don't, you don't have any clue. So, I mean, until you know that part, it's hard to assume anything. I'm out on 2020 if they draft a quarterback. 
Wow. <laughs> very astute. That's very observant. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then you will have wasted all these players in their prime and this incredible defense. You will have wasted. And and the other thing, too, this is why I don't think they'll go with a rookie if they move on from Mariota is only because I think Vrabinson, Vrabel and Robinson have have two years post-Mariota. If they're done with Mariota this year, they will not get more than two years. They may not get more than one year after Mariota. Because if Vrabel goes three years and you go backwards, 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 then you want to fire the coach. And at that point, what faith would you have in this general manager beyond his third coach? No, thank you. So, I mean, that's that's another angle to look at. But as you've always said, Floyd, your job is to do your job and not to protect your job. And if Vrabel and Robinson are worried about that, then they're protecting their job and they're not doing their job. Exactly. Trevor Maddich, we have not cleared the board. We'll get back to your Titans takes in a little bit. We have not touched on anything college football because, again, Mariota stunk it up so bad. But we got the Vols had a big win against Mississippi State. Vanderbilt, are they going to fire their coach? Florida LSU and Georgia stunk it up. So we have a ton of college football to get into with Trevor Maddich. We'll do that next. It's Jared and the GM right here on ESPN 1025, the game. Jared and the GM, ESPN 1025, the game taking a little Titans breather. We have not touched on college football at all this week because, again, when you got a quarterback controversy going on, which the Titans have, you don't talk a lot of you don't talk a lot of anything else other than your quarterback controversy. But Floyd, what a wild weekend in the Southeastern Conference. The Vols get a win over Mississippi State. By the way, Mississippi State plays LSU. They may lose by a hundred this week. Then you've got uh, Vandy gets a housed by UNLV at a home. Housed, just <laughs> boat raced. Wow. You've got Georgia, or I mean, uh, Georgia loses to South, South Carolina. Carolina in what in which South Carolina invited Georgia every which way to come back and win that game. For that to be a game, like remember how Clemson dodged a bullet against North Carolina a couple weeks ago, and it was like, boy, Clemson didn't look good, but hey, they got out of there with the win. South Carolina gave Georgia every opportunity to do that, and Georgia still couldn't do it. And then you've got the Florida LSU game where you can either look at it like, eh, maybe Florida wasn't that good. Or you look at it like I do, which is that LSU might be the number one team in the country. So where do you want to start, Floyd? Wherever. Trevor Maddich joins us, ESPN College Football Analyst. Trevor, what do you think the biggest of those stories is? I will contend that it was Georgia losing to South Carolina. What say That was you? the biggest upset in the entire week of college football, Jared, because Florida now is not not upset from a standpoint of the game, but the disturbance, let's put it that way, in the world of the committee and who might make it. Because now you knew one of those two teams would lose their entire margin of error, Florida or LSU. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking Florida, LSU. You're talking Georgia. So, yes, that was the biggest uh, disturbance individually in the weekend of college football because Georgia now has lost their margin of error. They've got to win uh, against Auburn and against Florida. Now, they could have lost to Auburn had it not been for this and still beaten Florida and still been a one-loss SEC East division champion. But now that's it. They can't lose again. They can't. And really they can't even lose to Georgia Tech, which I doubt they'll do, but we didn't think that they'd lose to South Carolina either. So, I mean, right now Georgia 
here we go, middle of October, is now on the hot seat, and their margin for error is down to zero, and that's why that's the biggest story. Trevor, I watched Alabama. I watched Florida LSU. I'm convinced LSU is the number one team in the country. Now, I know it's going to be hard for LSU to go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, but are you with me in saying LSU proved that they are the number one team in America on Saturday? No, I think they proved they're the number one two. The number two, I'm sorry, team in America. I still think Ohio State is the number one team in America. I still worry a little bit about their defense. I mean, Florida scored 28 on them. And they, Florida threw an interception into the end zone. They also bogged down uh, deep in the red zone. So LSU made the plays to keep them out, but they were just two plays away from having 42 points. That's Florida. That's at LSU. So I'm still a little worried about LSU's offense or defense getting shredded. Keep in mind that Texas, their offense shredded LSU through the air earlier in the season, and I've got to see that defense tighten up. I see the Ohio State defense as being right now one that I trust more than I trust LSU's. That's why I put Ohio State at number one, LSU at number two. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, I mean I'm still. I haven't seen enough of Ohio State to have the the opinion that that um, Trev has. But he, I'm not saying he's right wrong. I just I just haven't seen him as much. Do you go um, LSU over Alabama? Uh, no, I got, they got to beat Alabama to, for me to have them jump him. Till they do that, it's all fluff. Uh, Trev, Tennessee yeah. got a great win oh, over, over the weekend, uh, and and they're going to go to Alabama, and I think we feel pretty good about how that's going to happen. What's going to happen there? But after that, they've got South Carolina. And if some way, shape, or form they can beat South Carolina, they actually have a chance to get on a little run. They do. And the thing is, this game against Mississippi State wasn't a joke. Their quarterbacks, both of them, performed very well. Defensively, they did a nice job. I mean, they, they, when Tennessee stands in the right place and looks at the right guy, in other words, they have the correct alignment and assignment before the snap. And then they do the right thing with the right technique after the snap. Sometimes they'll get beat doing the right thing with the right technique. Actually, a lot of the time they'll get beat. But it takes the opponent time to beat them. And it gives the rest of the volunteers time to rally and help, especially on defense or on offense. Guys can see it, have a little bit of an extra beat to make a move to avoid the man of whoever got beat. So when Tennessee's doing the right thing, they've got a chance against a lot of teams. And we saw them do that against Mississippi State, and they beat them. Now, Alabama is going to be awfully tough. You're right about that. But then when you look at the way the rest of the schedule actually tough, I think they've got a 2.6% chance to win that game. They're going to FBI. And, and they're getting like 34.5 points. So, you know, win the game would be a, um, a bit of a miracle. miracle? But yeah. they might cover. You know, it's possible they might cover. But you're right. There's South Carolina. Then they've got UAB at Kentucky. At Missouri, and Missouri really hasn't been tested yet. I mean, Missouri gets a lot of credit for having a fantastic record right now. I think they've only got one loss. But their best win is South Carolina, which may be a better win than we thought at the time. Uh, Other than that, they haven't been tested. So, uh, And then, of course, Vanderbilt, which is, you know, basically a train wreck right now. And so, yeah, Tennessee could go on a run. Now, what if they do? Well, we're talking bowl game. We're talking momentum into the offseason. We're talking a positive feeling uh, in the 
locker room in the facility that recruits will feel. Recruiting, yeah. And they'll feel that, hey, this Tennessee, the energy here is good. They're on the rise. And a recruit will be thinking, I think I can come in here and help this team continue the rise, play early, and be part of the big turnaround and make a name for myself here, right? That'll be the recruiting pitch, but you need the positive energy because you can't manufacture it. I mean, you can't have recruits come in there when they've lost three of their last four, miss the bowl game, and tell everybody how great it is. It's kind of hard to do. So, yeah, I mean, somehow they can get past South Carolina. They could finish this season on an amazing high note, especially compared to how it began. And the other side of that coin uh, here in Tennessee, of course, is Vanderbilt. They're terrible. After getting thumped by UNLV, I mean, they could go the rest of their schedule and win only one more game, East Tennessee. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I got tickets to that, by the way. If anybody wants to go, I got tickets to East Tennessee State, Vandy, just a FYI, Trevor, if you'd like to go. Uh, Well, hey, you know, you might might have to offer a little bit more to sweeten the pot to get them to go with you, but... uh, (laughs) But you might get some nibbles. Yeah, they're, they're, they've got Missouri at home um, and this week, and they're getting 21 points, Vanderbilt is. So I guess that's better. Tennessee's getting 34 and a half. Yeah. Vanderbilt's getting 21, which tells you a little bit about the state of, of SEC football in the state of Tennessee. Not so good. Hey, don't even yeah, get us started on right NFL football right now in the state of Tennessee either. Uh, you know what? That's a good point. Hey, is Mariota going to be the starting quarterback this week? I think uh, you guys can have him in Washington if you want him at the end of the year. We're waiting to see. Man, that's uh, it's it's been a bit of a nightmare. How are the sounds doing? Are the sounds doing okay? <laughs> <laughs> you got to have something to hang your head. You got to have something. Yeah. Nashville, hey, Nashville SC is in the playoffs. <laughs> that I can tell you about. Now that they start is the playoffs awesome. in a week. I love that. Hey, Nashville, rally around that team. Seriously, <laughs> that's exciting stuff. I love it. Trevor, uh, as far as, you know, we hit on all the teams, you know, the Tennessee and their win, although I think that that said more about Mississippi State being lousy, uh, which is a a development that they may get blown out by 500 against LSU this week. But we hit on LSU, Florida, Georgia, Vandy, and Tennessee. Alabama, I watch them against A&M. They dominated. I appreciate them. Am I? I just don't. They don't feel like defensively like an Alabama team, and that's why I think I lean more towards LSU than I do with Alabama right now. Jared, I think a lot of people agree with you. The problem is they've got at least four true freshmen starting in the front seven, and they rotate a bunch of other guys in. This is because of injury, and so they are still susceptible to better offenses not just wearing them down, but also fooling their eyes. I mean, you always hear about eye discipline when you listen to defensive coaches talk about their players. That means, remember, look at the right guy. And when you've got an offense like an Auburn or even an LSU that has got a lot of people moving around after the snap, if you can get a young defender to look at the wrong guy for a split second, wondering what he's supposed to do, it's over. Now, Alabama, they're exceptionally well coached, but you can't get over the youth and you can't get over now the lack of depth. I can't get over the defensive line not making plays. I mean, overall, you get a three-man, a four-three, three-man defensive line, and they're not supposed to make tackles. They're supposed to make piles and let the linebackers run around and make the plays. But we've gotten accustomed to defensive linemen at Alabama like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. And, um, you know, we had an Outland Trophy winner at nose guard last year, for goodness sake, because of all the plays that he made. And we're, we're used to that. We're not seeing it this year at all. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Alabama defense just doesn't feel right. Now, the good news for the Tide is that 
they have they were given a long runway heading into that uh, LSU game because Texas A&M has sort of fallen off the map a little bit on offense. I thought they'd be a real threat to the Alabama defense, but they haven't really been a threat to any defense all year long. This is Texas A&M I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So they've had time to get those young guys reps, a lot of game reps. So we'll see. I mean, this will we'll see how much they can grow between now and, and that LSU game because that's the first real time that they're really going to be tested. Uh, but if they're able to come along, that passing game for Alabama is second to none. Now, another thing I've got to see from Alabama is their their running game. Last year, they weren't able to enforce their will on the ground like we're used to them seeing, especially in the red zone. Alabama would get into the red zone and just get stuffed all the time, and they'd have to throw the ball really to score touchdowns down there. And really they were better off outside the red zone so that Tua can throw to those receivers, let them make a move, and score from farther away. And we saw that play out in the national championship game where once they got down into scoring position, they just couldn't budge the Clemson defense. Of course, very few people could. But this year they're still not that good at rushing in the red zone. They're still not that good. And so these are things that Bama needs to improve before I would put them back up into the number one position. Trevor Maddox, GSP and college football analyst, is our guest. Coming up next, Derek Mason. Should he be on the hot seat? That's a big topic around here. Plus, what's wrong with Georgia? And Jalen Hurts. Did Jalen Hurts prove that Oklahoma's a title contender on Saturday? Or did Jalen Hurts prove that he may be the reason they're not a title contender? We'll discuss that all coming up with Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Analyst. It's Jared of the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. Jared of the GM, Derek Mason losing again at Vanderbilt. And a lot of people, Floyd, are saying to me, should Derek Mason be on the hot seat? You know, should Vanderbilt fire Derek Mason? What are they going to do? And I contend that I just don't think enough people in Nashville care for it to matter no matter what Vanderbilt does. You know, I, I don't feel like it's worth us talking about. I don't think enough people care. I don't think enough people care about Vandy in general. I don't think enough people care about Vandy football. I don't think enough people care about Vandy football to the point to where even if they fired the coach, it would be worth us talking. We got a quarterback. We have an NFL quarterback controversy. Do you know how much that pales in comparison to, or how much a Vanderbilt coach who probably won't get fired, maybe getting fired, pales in comparison to the talk about an NFL quarterback? I mean, this is like if this were New York City, we're talking about Eli Manning as opposed to Fordham football. And Trevor Maddich is our guest here on uh, on ESPN 1025, the game ESPN College Football Analyst. Trevor Let's get to the Derek Mason question. Should he be on the hot seat? And does it matter if nobody cares about Vandy football? It helps that that, that fewer people are passionate about Vandy football, possibly <laughs> in the midst of the uh, what's going on with the Titans right now. And with Marcus Mariota and, and that big distraction, that helps. Because if the fans were white hot and lighting up social media and the message boards, then it would make it harder for Tennessee to hold on. Or excuse me, Vanderbilt. Here's the thing, though. Vanderbilt, hey, they've invested in Derek Mason's program now. They have a plan to, at some point, upgrade the restrooms in the stadium. (laughs) Yay! He better win now. He's got to upgrade the restrooms in the stadium. 
And so, you know, I, I kind of get the impression that, uh, don't get the impression, I, I hope that it's true, let's put it that way, that Vanderbilt is kind of like Boston College, where you win seven games, six, seven games, get to a bowl, don't do anything to embarrass us, we're not inclined to fire you. Then once in a while you'll win eight or nine, you'll make a little run, and then back down to seven or so and make a bowl. Well, if, if the Vanderbilt administration thinks that Vandy should be competing for a, a, an SEC East title year after year, with the support that they have not given that program for decades, then they're the ones that need a look in the mirror. So I think Derek Mason is a good coach. He's a good coach for Vanderbilt. He probably is on the hot seat, especially when you get blown out by UNLV. A terrible you know, UNLV the, team. The case for for doing that also is he's a defensive guy. And this year the defense in terms of yards per play which is a better indicator than yards per game, but yards per play given up on defense, they're 129th in the nation. They're like almost, almost completely last. And that's, compared to last year, they were 103rd. So they've, they've actually were one of the worst teams in the nation last year in terms of yards per play given up on defense, and then they dropped 26 spots to almost the complete basement this year in the category that he should have the most control over, which is, uh, which is the defense. Now, if you want to get rid of him, that's a good reason to get rid of him. But I think that the, until the program puts more, um, more dollars into the program, excuse me, until the, the university gives more support, and not just dollars but support, to Derek Mason and what they're doing there, then I don't know what they expect him to do that's any different than they're doing right now. To have the, uh, the University of Michigan... <laughs> Is I saw some stats today. They're one and nine versus top ten teams in the country. They've got Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Penn State left on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can is it possible Harbaugh could be in trouble? Well, you know, it would be an abject humiliation if the university fired Harbaugh. Now, it would be an admission of a, of a terrible mistake and a terrible squandering of, of massive amounts of money. So I don't know that he is actually on the hot seat, but that's a place where it is very reasonable that he be on the hot seat. You know, I mean, we just talked a second ago about Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, and people will say, yeah, but James Franklin, look at him. He won nine games and all that stuff several years in a row. Yeah, yeah, he did at a time when, when the rest of the SEC East was in an epic trough. And he did an outstanding job at the time. But that's not totally true, by the way. That, Trevor, that's not totally true. That is, that is. Here's one of the guys you're talking about. That, that is something a lot of people say. In 2012, when he won nine games, the SEC East had Georgia, who was an SEC title game away from, like, you know, that tip ball from Aaron Murray away from being in the national championship, would have won the national championship. And Florida, who was third entering the, entering the postseason when they lost the Sugar Bowl. So they were both good. And South Carolina was, I think, a double-digit win team. And then the next year, South Carolina was still a double-digit win team. And the SEC East was a lot worse than it was the year before. But, and how, and how did they do against those teams? Not good. Yeah, okay. And then, uh, but the thing is, now you look at the rest of the SEC East. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't on the rise like, like the SEC East has been here recently, except for Tennessee. All I'm saying is this, that, that Jim, Jim Harbaugh, when you compare it to that, uh, at least Franklin took advantage of the opportunity that was here and did an outstanding job of coaching. When you look at what Harbaugh has done, when you watch him on tape, 
you see, by and large, a defense that's very good, which is not Harbaugh's side of the ball. And then you see an offense that is clunky and, and seems like doesn't have a chance to really get much better. I mean, even in the last few weeks when they got to play Rutgers in Illinois and kind of get out of first gear a little bit, they still were not efficient on offense, especially in the passing game. And so better defenses, you would think, would just crush them. It'll be interesting to see what happens now against Penn State this week because Penn State has one of the most disruptive defenses in the nation, one of the best getting behind the line and sacking and bothering the quarterback, which magnifies problems that you'll have. And so Harbaugh... Right now, that, that's his wheelhouse. That's where he's supposed to be. That's where he's supposed to be best. And so he brought in Josh Gaddis to be the offensive coordinator from Alabama. And it doesn't look to me like Gaddis is getting a whole lot of free reign. I see, I see a hybrid Harbaugh slash Gaddis offense where you put the worst of both worlds together and it just won't work. You've got to do one or the other. You can't do both. In other words, you'll see a lot of times when the offense will be packed in with tight ends and the receivers in close and things like that. That's a real Harbaugh thing from Stanford. But then you'll be in the shotgun. Well, now, wait a minute. In the shot, if you're packed in and you're going to drive downhill at people, the running back needs to be behind the quarterback. The quarterback needs to be under center. And that running back needs to be coming downhill hard when he takes that handoff. That's the way it's got to work. In the shotgun, the running back is standing next to the quarterback. He's got to stand there and wait for the quarterback to catch the snap and then hand him the ball before he can even start. And that is, that's just not a combination that has been working for Michigan. So you put all that stuff together, and it's hard to find a way for that offense to actually improve unless they're just overmatching teams like they did with Illinois and Rutgers. And so does that mean that, that Harbaugh is or should be on the hot seat? Last year I wouldn't have said so. This year, with the way they've managed the way the offense is being run, I don't think their players – are being put in position to maximize their natural capabilities. They do have really good players on that team, uh, especially on the offensive line. They brought back four guys that earned some form of all Big Ten honors from last year. All four guys are back, expected to compete for all Big Ten honors again this year, and the offensive line looks horrible. They've had a few injuries and some guys in and out. Even so, they haven't played up to their potential. At least they haven't performed up to their potential. And at some point, it's got to land on Harbaugh's desk. And last year, I wasn't ready to point the finger at him yet. This year, I am not willing to defend what I'm seeing. Trevor Maddox, last one for you. We have to go there because of the Titans situation. Early look. Let's say the Titans move on from Mariota. They go into the draft for a quarterback, and Tua is not available because Miami is doing everything in their power to get him. Who is out there, and who do you like in college ball? I like Justin Herbert of Oregon a lot. He's he's you know he's a lot bigger than Tua. He's got a much stronger arm than Tua. Is an Oregon right? quarterback going to be hard to sell though to these fans if Mariota doesn't work? Uh, I think I, I would hope that the fans wouldn't hang that anchor on the head of Herbert just because he went to the same school. Because they're completely different guys, running completely different, well, not completely, but running largely different offenses. And the thing about Herbert is he's got all the NFL attributes. He's having, you know, top 10 pick caliber statistical season this year, even though he doesn't really have anybody to throw the ball to. So coming to Tennessee, he'll fit right in if he's able to get here. Trevor Maddox, GSP and college football analyst. Trev, we appreciate it as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, we'll see you. Trevor Maddox, GSP and college football analyst, joining us as he always does. Coming up next, 
If the Titans are ready to move on from Mariota tomorrow, and we'll probably know around 11 a.m., then is it time for us to move on from the 2019 season? We will discuss. Plus, next hour, you'll have your chance to win Nashville SC tickets. It's Jared and the GM, Authentically American, promo code Jared. That's my name. Gets you 20% off. Promo code Jared, 20% off anything you order from Authentically American, big or small. You're going to outfit your business? Do it Americanly, if that's a word. Authentically American. That's right. AuthenticallyAmerican.us. That's what we do for our business. They have our logo put perfectly on jackets, polos, etc. Also, if you're just if you're needing to buy new polos, you want made in the USA with the no roll collar and the performance moisture wicking fabric, you gotta get with Authentically American. And you while you're at AuthenticallyAmerican.us, you gotta check out their new sweat ink. That's right. It's workout clothes, it's workout t-shirts with the secret message you sweat through. Boom, right there. 20% off your entire order, big or small. With my name, the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D, promo code Jared at checkout. That's authentically American. Again, made in the USA. 10% of gross profits go right to veteran and first responder charities. That's why I'm so glad I'm partnered with Authentically American. Jared of the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game.